Riddles in the Darkers. Riddles in the Darkians. I'll come up with something. This is Trish Lambert, <laughs> uh, your co-host for Riddles in the Dark Digest, as well as Riddles in the Dark main podcast. But this is the Digest episode for Riddle 2.10, and I am with my lovely co-host, Laura Burkholz. Hello, Laura. Hello. Wait, I thought this was the main podcast. It's not? <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, we should go back. I should start again, shouldn't I? In fact, I should do it better than Dale. This is the Riddles of the Dark podcast. The other is a is just just it's just, just there to support. Shabby. This. That's right. That's right. It's just an excuse right. for this that, one to that's exist. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're doing Riddle. T- 2.10 today, um, and I'm going to jump right into it and read the riddle. Uh, this is about Bilbo and the ring. So the riddle is how and when will Bilbo reveal the ring to the company, i.e. the dwarves. A, he voluntarily reveals it before the barrel escape. B, it is revealed against his will before the barrel escape. C, he voluntarily reveals it after the barrel escape. You see a little quadrant action going on here. D, it is revealed against his will after the barrel escape. And we have an E this time. Bilbo does not reveal the ring at all in the Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. And actually, E is the one that all three of us, Corey and Dave and I, uh, said. We uh, talked to the point where – because this specifically was – how and when will Bilbo reveal the ring to the company, i.e. the dwarves? Not Gandalf, but the dwarves. And we just got to the point where we felt that he wasn't going to be letting he wasn't going to be letting on about the ring at all to the dwarves in the second movie. What do you think? Yeah, Laura? I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, my judgment's probably a little clouded from seeing the trailers. But, um, you know, I think that they're going to keep that suspense until at least the next movie. I don't think he's going to reveal it. Well, and actually, we do have, I know one of our comments that we'll be reading shortly uh, t- kind of talks about this, about the dwarves even knowing about the ring at all ever, right? So we'll have to, mm-hmm. let's table that until we get to that comment. Let me yeah. jump right, right in, actually. We have Mark Fisher, Encyclopedia of Arda, who is the one analyst from, from year one who has stuck with us. Thank you, Mark, very much. Um, he says, Keeping the ring entirely secret certainly has some potential for dramatic tension, but I think Bilbo is going to have to reveal it in some manner to avoid undermining his character. To just keep using it secretly makes him look, well, a little shifty. I think the neatest way to achieve this would be to confide in just one dwarf, and I think that's got to be voluntary to keep Bilbo's character intact. If that dwarf is Balin, then his visit to the Shire at the end of the story makes particular sense. That would be a useful point for Gandalf to find out about the ring, too, I think. It's tough to say exactly when the reveal would ha- will happen, but the process of engineering the barrel escape seems like an obvious place to put it. So I believe that's A from your options. So he thinks Bilbo will voluntarily reveal it before the barrel escape. But just to one dwarf, not to everybody. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's something I hadn't thought of. Right. And you know, we actually said, I remember I think somebody. about the And I believe we said that that counted, you know, that if it was just yeah. two- one dwarf that's a yeah and i mean i personally uh, you know i think it'd be kind of cool for that to happen um but i don't know you know the suspense thing and i don't know it's just they've downplayed it so much you know like so far in the trailers we haven't seen anything we, we've seen him take the ring out when there was a spider behind the tree we've seen in the second trailer him lying to gandalf about you know uh finding the ring and that's been about all we've seen right the ring so far in the trailers yeah well that interesting thing about that scene with gandalf is you can tell he's trying he wants to tell somebody about the ring so maybe he will end up telling balin who seems more fatherly and a little less you know grumpy than gandalf so maybe he'll maybe he'll confide in him 
and, and did, he's definitely so not going to be telling Mr. Grumpy himself, Thorin, <laughs> Grumpy Dwarf. Um, so far in this uh, in this set of trailers, I mean, Balance had a couple. Actually, he's the only one besides Thorin, the only dwarf besides Thorin, I think, that's even had any lines in the trailers. But um, he seems to be taking on more of the uh, sort of role, more like the role he had with Bilbo kind of in the book. You know, I mean, he was really the one in the book who was Bilbo's sort of staunch ally, at least once, you know, once he tipped his hat to him after they got out of the Misty Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. I mean, I could see maybe that, that could happen. Um, yeah, but but I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen in like this movie. Right. If it happens, it's not going to happen in this movie. Yeah. 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 Well, why don't you want to talk about what other folks have been saying? Sure. All right. Michael Lucero okay. says, about Gandalf not realizing the identity of the ring, correct me if I'm wrong, but I had thought that the elves, along with Anatar, experimented with rings as a technique of employing magic for a little while before actually making the rings a power. Now, Anatar is was Sauron's um, right. made-up name when right. he was hanging hanging out with the elves um, right. in the Second Age there. So, right. um, Tolkien doesn't talk much about these minor rings, but I get the impression that while the nine, the seven, the three, and the one were the only ones that could be called rings of power, they weren't the only rings the elves made. So Gandalf could have thought it was one of the lesser ones, or am I imagining this idea? No, there were. There were lesser rings. Um, nobody mentions the five. I mean, we got the nine, the seven, and the three, and the one. What about the five, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The five aren't even on Yeah, where's the five? On a list. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but, but actually, in, in Jackson's universe, though, this the whole elves and Anatar thing might not have even happened in this alternate universe that Jackson's created. Well, um, I'm trying to remember the voiceover at the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring where Galadriel talks about that. It talks about forging the ring. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how much detail they went into, but um, but one thing is for sure is Gandalf is not an expert on the rings. You know, he has to go and um, he has to go and dig stuff up in, in Minas Tirith um, to Denethor's chagrin. Um, before he finds out uh, what there is to know about the One Ring, so he really isn't an expert. So maybe, you know, if if Gandalf does find out about it and finds out that it turns Bilbo invisible, um, maybe that wouldn't set off the alarm bells because Gandalf isn't really an expert on um, right. isn't really an expert on on all the rings. So. But I do, I do remember uh, in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf says, "I knew that it had to be. It could not have been one of the lesser rings because of the invisibility thing." So, but you know, he does. He lets it go for uh, sixty years, <laughs> <laughs> like he lets that map sit in his. So he couldn't have thought it was, That's right. He couldn't have thought it was that no. important. <laughs> no, I think he thought it was one of the five. <laughs> oh yeah, right. One of the five. One of the five. So, so Murray Smith answers. Right. Interesting idea, Michael. <laughs> it would help explain how this ring's existence could be made known, made known to the party in The Hobbit, including eventually Gandalf, without ra- raising immediate immediate suspicions about the One Ring. Now, of course, um, 
the one ring, as far as Gandalf knows, uh, has gone out to sea long ago. Nobody thinks that this could possibly be the one ring. Nobody knows, um, that the, that the one ring, um, I mean, few people knew that, uh, Isildur took the one ring and few right. people know that it ended up in the great river. Uh, probably Saruman, you know, one, one of the few who knew that. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as anyone was ever thinking, the one ring was lost. Nobody was thinking this was the the one ring. So, and I think I even, I, I can't remember if I brought this up in, in the episode or not, but I am wondering if we're going to see, um, in the move, in these movies, if we're going to be, see Sauron actually searching for the one ring. I wonder if any, you know, if any, um. Mention is going to be made of that. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he didn't start searching until he found out uh, um, from Gollum that it actually had shown up again. Well, except for the fact that, like in uh, in uh, Unfinished Tales, I mean, he I think he, he had been looking, but where he had been looking was where Isildur, Isildur fell, and yes. so you know, which was you know, three thousand years still ago, be, something like that. <laughs> Right, right, right. I'd say so. You know, it's not until search, Gollum you know? gets, you know, it's not until Gollum gets picked up that he finds out that actually it went a different direction. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Call off the searcher, but you know, go actually, you know, go out to the sea. You know, start dragging all the way down to the mouth of the Anduin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So I mean, it, it could it could be something like that, you know, in this movie where he's doing something similar. You know, we do know from the Lord of the Rings that Isildur fell. I mean, and I'm assuming I, I don't know. They may not even he may not even bring that into it. But uh, I just I was kind of just sort of wondering aloud during the episode if if we were going to see Sauron mention it, even if it's like just an Easter egg mention, you know, just a, something in passing that only you know a few of us would uh, would would catch. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it would. Nice. It's more glue, you know, because I keep I keep thinking of Jackson trying to glue the two trilogies together, and you know, so Sauron actually mentioning or bringing up the ring himself. In conversation with Bolg or, or whoever Bolg. his captain yeah. of the ring rates, you know, um, you know, would 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 provide some of that glue. Anyway, so. well, it's it's kind of interesting because Jackson has almost the opposite problem from Tolkien. You know, Tolkien did The Hobbit with no thought of the Lord of the Rings, no idea nice. that the ring was the One Ring or anything like that. So he had to do a whole bunch of retcon to 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 um, you know get get the <laughs> ring to fit in. Now Jackson did it the other way. He did the Lord of the Rings, and now he has to do the Hobbit to fit in with the Lord of the Rings. Right. So. <laughs> that's true. I never had really th- thought about it that way, but yes, that's true. So, you know, he's retconning to the other direction. Yeah, yeah. He's <sighs> forward conning or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Jeez, I'm telling you. All right. Well, let me get yeah. to the next one. Well, the next one is long. I guess. But I do want to yeah. read it actually because it's 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 interesting. So you'll have to bear with me. I'll I'll stop so we can discuss some of it um, as we go. This is from okay. Darth Skeptical, which I think is a code name for Dave Kale, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Corey's notion that Bilbo could go the whole trilogy or even just desolation without revealing the ring to anyone is powerfully seductive, but it would I think break film continuity. Gandalf says at 27 minutes and 45 seconds in Fellowship, precious, it's been called that before. So clearly he knows of the ring already. And it's not just that he knows the ring, he knows Gollum too. 
After all, the podcast's namesake comes on film, not in The Hobbit, but at 30 minutes, 30 seconds in Fellowship. It's Gandalf who somehow recalls the Gollum incident and utters, Riddles in the dark? Now is he getting a vision from the jewelry? Maybe. He bends down, tries to pick it up, and gets something from the eye. But he definitely knows that it's been called precious well before the flaming eyeball moment. It's also pretty clear that Frodo knows of the ring, even if, even if he doesn't know what it does. He knows that Bilbo fell, found it in Gollum's cave, and we have to assume from the Hobbit framing device that Frodo has heard the story several times. Heck, the party at the beginning of Fellowship seems to suggest Bilbo's happy talking about his misty mountain adventure to any kid that will listen. So I think the films are telling us that, frankly, Bilbo is a blabbermouth. He likes telling his tales. So when Gandalf says, all wild-eyed, keep it secret, keep it safe, it's too late. It's the most open secret in Hobbiton. I think it's definitely implied that not only has he told everyone, he's written a book about it. So I think it would break all kinds of film continuities to suggest that blabbermouth Baggins would not have long ago spilled the beans about the ring. Now... That, I don't know. I mean, just because they know about it in The Lord of the Rings, that's 60 years later. A lot of things right. can have happened right. in six years. We're just talking about, right right now, we're just talking about Desolation of Smog. It remains to be seen how far they go in the next movie. So Right, right. Then, crucially, Gandalf positively agrees to Frodo's summation of the events of The Hobbit. Frodo says Bilbo found the ring in Gollum's cave, and Gandalf says yes. Slam dunk. Gandalf knows about the ring knows that he got it from Gollum, and if we don't see a moment where Gandalf knows about the ring, and indeed Gollum, in either Hobbit 2 or 3, then we'll have a continuity puzzle, not a continuity solution. Gandalf does not appear to know about Gollum by the end of Hobbit 1, so it's got to be coming in Hobbit 2 or 3. To be honest, though, it's precisely ring continuity that makes me doubt the soundness of the Hobbit project as a whole. Sure, these three Hobbit films are fun, and I wouldn't begrudge the Kiwis the economic boon of them, but they are inevitably bollocking Blanchett's beginning. All we ever needed to know about The Hobbit was given to us in seven minutes at the top of the Fellowship. I cannot imagine a way to write the wayward Hobbit into the Legendarium any better than was done in that prologue. Galadriel's, it ensnared, an, it ensnared a new bear. It consumed him in the gloom of Gollum's, Gollum's cave. It waited. It abandoned Gollum. Is the kind of poetry that the rather prosaic Hobbit has so far not displayed to any degree at all. That's why there should be an option F on this riddle. It doesn't matter when or if Bilbo reveals the ring, because all options ruin film continuity. That's a that's a that's a little tough. I mean, you know, you can't say, oh, you know. Uh, well, I suppose you could say it, but, you know, you can't say, oh, the continuity is going to ruin the films, therefore we can't make it, you know. I mean, that's like saying right. to Tolkien, you can't write The Lord of the Rings because, you know, you weren't thinking about it when you did The Hobbit. So he goes on, Jackson and company did not anticipate making The Hobbit film at the time they made Fellowship, so they did what was necessary to make that film, and that film alone, right. That's exactly what they should have done. But now it means there's no easy way to write The Hobbit without the Gandalf of Fellowship becoming weaker in the eyes of the audience. 
At the end of the day, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings are actually incompatible, no matter what one might think of Tolkien's retconning skills, and film adaptation brings the problem of the ring itself into specific undeniable relief. It can't be a goofy magic trick in one trilogy and a threat to the existence of all life in the other. Gandalf can't credibly say in Fellowship, there are many magic rings in this world, Bilbo, and none of them should be used lightly. But then allow Bilbo to keep a magic ring at the end of The Hobbit. Hobbits are by nature fun-loving. Of course they're going to use a magic ring lightly. Thinking anything else is going to happen, but that invisibility will be used for at least party tricks is unreasonable. And that, I suspect, is why the idea of the ring's power never being revealed in the Hobbit films at all is so appealing. Unfortunately, Fellowship, as well as the framing device of the Hobbit, simply precludes the secrecy necessary for that. Know what Jackson and Boyens have to come up with is something I think is very difficult indeed. They have to give us a plausible reason to believe that Gandalf thinks the ring isn't all that serious a threat, but do it in a way that doesn't make him seem stupid. Galadriel has to say something along the lines of, oh yeah, we made a job lot of these rings of invisibility. Don't worry, most of them don't even work right. Or Saruman has to be actively be seen addressing the point head on so as to remove Gandalf's suspicion. It absolutely can't be ignored or treated with ominous ambiguity. You know, I think that's true. I think they're going to address it. I think maybe they're going to have Saruman say something to Gandalf. Um, Oh, there were lots of rings made, and you know this is not. This is just one of those, you know, cast off. Ones. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I think this. I think this is a really good point. Um, you know, because you're right. I mean, he's at the beginning of the fellowship. He knows about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes, he does. he's concerned about it. Obviously. Um, so you know, how did he find out about it? Where do you find out about it? You know, how does he know about Gollum? I mean, you. Can't, you know, unless they're going to make a bridge film, <laughs> another um, one. You know, the hunt for Gollum or something. Uh, yeah. Another one. Well, yeah, they made to, that. You know. <laughs> so I yeah. know. I know. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Maybe they have to you know in- incorporate that in. Um, you know, or, or if it's you know around uh, around the cozy fire and bag end that he tells Gandalf about it, but then, uh, but then the point is taken uh, about the fact that Gandalf then should be. You know, it's, this is like, well, what do you mean? You know, why you didn't tell me before? I mean, he should be suspicious if that happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. That is a, yeah, okay. It is. I'll, I'll let you do both. <laughs> so, simply having Bilbo not revealed that he has this cool ring is flatly injurious to intra-trilogy continuity, goes against Bilbo's known character, and doesn't address the hanging Chad from the first reel of Fellowship. Unless we figure out why Gandalf would allow Bilbo to hang on to a ring of invisibility for 60-odd years, I will feel cheated by the films. One of the joys of the original trilogy, for me, is that they largely smoothed over Tolkien's narrative deficiencies. If the Hobbit's film, films don't do that, and frequently, and frankly, they haven't started out well for those of us who praise the elegant ec- economy of the original trilogy, there's not a great deal of point to them. I already know that they don't work in print either. I want to see Jackson pull off a miracle. I want a good reason why Gandalf the Grey is not, as Tolkien would have had him, Gandalf the rather foolish, Gandalf the forgetful, or worse, Gandalf the only casually interested in stuff that might threaten all life in Middle Earth. (laughs) (laughs) 
I want compatibility between The Hobbit and Fellowship that simply isn't there in print. I want to know why the ring was allowed to fester in Hobbiton for decades. I want to know why Gandalf only became curious enough to research the thing in Fellowship when he had all those years before to figure out the whole dump it in a volcano shtick. And why did he need to go to Minas Tirith for research when his buddy Elrond was there on the day with Isildur? But he but but Elrond was not there when Isildur got shot. From a film, no, but he was there when Isildur didn't get rid of it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, yeah. You got to think Elrond's thinking. So what did he do with that? <laughs> that's true. That's another yeah. open question. No, I I think Elrond knew. Like I think the, no, Elrond, Elrond knew um, where it was, but Elrond did not know um, about that writing that was on the inside of the ring. That's wow. that's the other thing that Gandalf found. How to how to find out if that was the ring. Right, right, so, right, right, right. Um, from a film goer's perspective, these questions are completely obvious. They need answering, and they need a non-book answer because the book doesn't really give much of an answer. Film two should definitely have Blabbermouth Baggins telling the world he's got this ring of invisibility. There's got to be a White Council meeting, even if an impromptu one, where they discuss the possible implications so that the mystery of the ring is still bubbling away there in the background. Film three has to tell us why Gandalf is okay with letting Bilbo hang on to the ring and why he doesn't do his due diligence on the ring until fellowship. I mean, after all, the only narrative thread in Fellowship from the Hobbit that is inadequately explained is the question of why Gandalf knowingly allowed Bilbo to keep the ring. We must, absolutely must, get an answer to that for telling the Hobbit in a post-Lord of the Rings frame to have been at all worth the wait. That's a little harsh, but (laughs) that's what Darth Skeptical says. And then he goes on, and then he goes on, he goes on, Heck, I forgot that Gandalf explicitly says in Fellowship that only four people know about the ring. Him, Gollum, Bilbo, and by implication, Frodo. I think that's the final nail in the coffin. I can't for the life of me see a way out of this for the old Jackson, Walsh, and Boyens team. I think their only option is to not reveal the ring to the dwarves, but somehow show it to Gandalf, who, for a reason I can't at all fathom, doesn't think it's such a big deal to let a magic ring sit for an explicit 60 years with a hobbit. But it's really looking to me like this is going to get the Lucasian, do you remember your mother, Leia, treatment? (laughs) (laughs) I think there's going to be some continuity sin committed here and a Film 3 extended edition commentary apology. Elves are going to drink, Dwarves are going to see the ring, and Jackson, Walsh, and Boyens are just going to hope we're so busy looking at how closely it used to the book that we'll forget about consistency within their own scripts. Well, the other so thing that was a diatribe. Is, yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> and there's a lot of you know. And by the way, listeners, this is up on the Mythgard site. So if you go to uh, episode 2.10, um, Riddles in the Dark. You'll see all of Darth Skeptical's comments that Laura just read, um, along with some expletives that she very nicely eliminated. Um, but I think it's good food for thought. You know, the other thing that I was thinking as you were reading this is the fact that you know the films. I mean, the book has con- continuity issues. Oh, sure. You know, Corey has talked about those in his in his you know lectures. I mean, you can find those throughout iTunes. But um, the film, then, you know, it's like. I think, you know, is in danger of probably bringing those book inconsistencies, you know, 
into sharper relief and probably creating consistencies of their of its own. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, you're starting off with a book that already has continuity issues, and then a film, you know, naturally you have those kind of things to deal yeah. with. I, I don't know. This is going to be interesting. I, I, it is, you know, I, I mean, I, I personally was thinking there would be some kind of Lucasian thing of going back and dickering with Fellowship of the Ring, and then we're going to get a new updated version of, you know, of the original trilogy with, you know, with the, you know, super, mm-hmm. um, you know, like like somebody dubbing over Gandalf's voice at the Castle of Elrond or something, or when he's talking to Frodo in the beginning, you know what I mean? It's like suddenly it'll, it'll be Ian McKellen's voice, but, you know, completely different words come out of his mouth. Um, I don't know. I, it's, yeah, it's, I a, think, it's a toughie. It really is. I think what they'll do is probably in movie three, they will address it um, mm-hmm. in the White Council. I mean, the ring is definitely a character, just like it was in the in the first trilogy. It's a character in the films. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see more of the ring than we've seen so far in the trailer. I mean, I in the trailers, I, I think Jackson's really good about sort of keeping some things back. Um, and we, we haven't seen Sauron either. And we haven't, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff we haven't really seen yet in the, from the trailer. So I think the ring is one of those. So I think the ring will still play, you know, a role in two. But I, I think I'm with you. I think movie three, we're, we're going to see the ring play an even more prominent role uh, in movie yeah. three. Not necessarily yeah. as a result of Bilbo using it, but as a result of just needing this continuity thing of how do you, you know, how do you finish up movie three in a, in a way that is smoothly going to, you know, that Fellowship of the Ring is going to make sense when you turn to that one. Mm-hmm. So, uh It'll be interesting, you know, the extended edition is due out in November on the first movie, um, but when I was reading it, we only get 10, 10 minutes extra of oh, really? footage in, in the film itself. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, like, commentaries and extra features and stuff, but there's only 10 minutes, and, and I'm betting it's probably not going to be ring-related 10 minutes, uh, Yeah, we shall see. I mean, I know we probably. see Garion. and we've already been told we see Garion fighting the dragon when he first attacks uh, Dale and Mm-hmm. Erebor and um, you know so there's going to be some of that I don't know what else there's going to be we may end up seeing because I remember we saw stills from like a Hobbit children's party that Gandalf was at and plus McKellen talked about the scene where he meets Frodo as a, as a small boy so that, that scene may be in you oh, know, yeah. Um, yeah. I won't complain about that but I, I, I would bet there's not going to be a whole lot of ring related because actually yeah. the ring shows up really late in the movie actually it does it does in the first movie yeah. yeah but I think I think that um Jackson's pretty conscientious filmmaker. You know, there's there's going to be some continuity problems. You know, it's just yeah. the nature of the beast. I don't think that's I don't think that's a reason not to make The Hobbit. Um, I think they'll address it, whether it's a completely satisfactory answer or not. Um, we'll we'll have to see. But you know, Tolkien didn't have a completely satisfactory no, answer. But you know, does it in the big scheme of things? Does it really matter all that much? I mean, you know, for one thing, there's the frame. You know, the, the Hobbit is told by Bilbo. The Lord of the Rings is told by Frodo. So you have two different points of view. And anytime you have two different points of view, you're going to have differences in how people see things. You know, it may be to the end of his life, Bilbo never really, Bilbo never really realized what the One Ring was. You know, he he had an idea by the he end of his did. life, but he says, oh, all this fuss about my ring, you know. But right. uh, so he wouldn't have addressed the ring as a big problem because he never thought of it that way. No, I mean, he dealt with it. He was he had fun with it. I mean, you know, in the books anyway, mm-hmm. in the long expected party at the beginning of uh, book one of Lord of the Rings, he talks about how he used it. Or I think maybe at the end of The Hobbit, too, I can't remember. But, you know, he'd used it to be, you know, to to disappear when he didn't want to be around when the sackful bag of 
was visited or for a trick. You know, Mary, Mary or Pippin talk about. I think it was Mary talks about having seen him disappear when Lobelia was coming down the lane, and you know, all of a sudden, oh yeah, just yep, he just used it like that. Um, and yeah. so, for him to not think Gandalf is making much of the ring or doesn't have any suspicions, that could be just that could be just his perspective. You know, I think to me the thing that makes the most sense is Gandalf has a little bit of a suspicion, goes to Saruman, and Saruman says, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about it. And then he talks to Galadriel and she says the ring was lost. You know, well, and and Elrond right. says they all say the ring Tolkien was lost. Tolkien does, a long say, time that. Ago. Tolkien does yeah, say that. I, I does. remember if it's appendices where Saruman, you know, because of his own agenda is very, you know, and there's no reason why anybody should not trust him at that point. Plus, he's the one of the White Council who's done the most research on the ring. So if he. He says it got lost, in, you know, rolled down the sea and it rolled down the river and went into the sea, you know, centuries ago. Don't worry about it. Why would they not believe that? Well, yeah, and I believe that um, I think that, it's in the Council of Elrond, isn't it, where he talks about uh, that? He talks about it there, too, yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen it. I, yeah, he, I think he does mention that in Council of Elrond, and I think it's also in the, like, Tale of Years or whatever. I, it's, mm-hmm. There's some place, I think it might be in the appendices, where he talks about, you know, Saruman um, uh, basically, you know, poo-poo's the idea that the ring will be around and you know at that point too i mean he's so he's got that gift of speech you know and nobody's gonna honestly you know, he probably didn't take him much to say oh don't worry about it it's gone you know it can't exactly, you know. exactly. so then gandalf although, like you say gandalf really although you know in the first hobbit film they show gandalf already being a little suspicious of saruman and not totally believing him so so in the so, fifth Oh, in gosh, in, like in the he, Hobbit, I'm gonna rob Sermon. Oh, in, in the Hobbit. In the Hobbit. Well, actually, I got, well maybe it was just me, you know, interpreting how I wanted to interpret. I almost got the impression in the in the film in the first film of the Hobbit, it was more like you know he and Galadriel were being like the bad students in the back of the room, and they were both <laughs> like really like rolling their eyes behind Sermon's back at what a big windbag he was. You know what I mean? It didn't seem like it was very, it was really um, you know, actual it wasn't suspicion. Like, concern yeah it was more like oh god you know this guy just goes on and on and on and on and on you know and they're talking they literally are talking while he's talking <laughs> in the movie <laughs> yeah so i mean i kind of got that impression that it was more like he's just being a big old windbag you know that, that what jack is trying to show is that he's really arrogant and prideful and whatnot but that he's not, not you know uh that they're, they're not suspicious in that sense they're just kind of like yeah you know impatient sort of yeah yeah. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is I find that book, book fans, book readers, especially with Tolkien, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I can forgive Tolkien a lot in his books, especially knowing as much as I know now, having taken up Tolkien as my major for a graduate degree. I mean, there I don't think there's a course yet that I have taken in Mythgard that has to do with Tolkien, where there's not a whole new layer of, of appreciation that I get in the, well, with this guy. Well, you know, it's and you know so, what? his worlds okay. are so complicated, you know, and oh, so well. detailed, there's going to be, there's yeah. going to be some issues, as there is in real life, you know. You know, and the continuity issues, I mean, relative to, I mean, I'm listening right now to Tolkien and the Great War. Or John Garth's reading of his own book, and I, I'm, I don't know how far in the book I am, but I'm in, in around 1916. So he's a young man, you know. He's about his friends have already gone off to war. He and Edith have just gotten married, and he's writing these po- this poetry, and he already has started to create his legendarium that eventually became the Silmarillion after his death that his son picked up. You know what I mean? It's like so. Then this went for years and years and years and years and years. I mean, it's just you know detail upon detail upon detail. And when I think of that, and then I think of like the pieces of our. You know, you know, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit that are kind of not quite in sync. 
they become very minor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, well, and even Tolkien of, even said that if, if there isn't something that's a mystery in your writings, it almost is too, you know, like he talked about Tom Bombadil. He's like, not everything has to fit perfectly or else it becomes fake, you know, it, it becomes well, fake seeming. I, I just cannot stop with, I mean, I recommend to anybody who, if you, you haven't read it. In fact, listening to John Garth read it himself is wonderful because he's got a lovely British accent, but he also puts the accents in the right spot. You know, he mm-hmm. like the stuff. It's really, really interesting because, I mean, it's not about it's not just simply about Tolkien going to war. It talks about a time of his life that doesn't really I, I haven't really gone back and reread Carpenter's book, but the whole part of when he's at King Edward School and at Oxford with the really close, tight friends that he had there, um, you know, those were his really, really, really close friendships before there was ever an inklings on the horizon. And all of them were very, you know, classically trained, very talented writers, the whole thing. And I've, I haven't gotten to this point yet, but I think I remember from Dr. Flieger's class a couple of semesters ago that I think all but Tolkien ended up getting killed in the war, which can you imagine? I mean, yeah, there that, was, there was a one. I think one of them didn't get killed besides well, Tolkien, but yeah, yeah, they they basically were. And I regarding but my gosh, you know, I mean, yeah. just amazing. So the thing, you know, the thing is, when you put it in that perspective, the guy is just amazing. I mean, he really yeah. is. I mean, I'm now taking yep. a philology, and part of doing is looking at Lord of the Rings in terms of the philology, and I'm seeing there's like layers to it. You know, how far do you want to learn? How much do you want to learn about philology? However deep you want to go, there's a layer there in Lord of the Rings for you. <laughs> it's just, yeah. just like it, the man was saying. So anyway, I mean, I saw I can forgive the books, the films. I'm not sure I'm going to be as um, you know, as forgiving of, but yeah, yeah. So, so let's do the conundrum. Alrighty. And this week our conundrum is, does Bilbo use the ring with Smaug? And, you know, this may seem to be an obvious no because of the trailers that we've seen, but I still think, as you and I talked about before we started taping, it could simply be that they just haven't put the special effects into the film yet. You know, we, we don't actually, if you think about the two trailers we've seen, we don't really have any indication truly that Smaug sees Bilbo. That's true. And Smaug even says, come into the light, you know, as if he can't see him. Right. But he can certainly hear him walking around and all that gold. So I'm, so I'm, I'm going to say, say yes. you're going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, yeah, gonna I'm going to I'm yes? going to say yes as well. I'm going to say he uses yes. it at least a little bit. He uses it at least once to kind of sneak around. Right. So. Um, in the book, is there ever a time when Smaug actually sees Bilbo? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I, didn't, I was thinking not either. Yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to check with Corey on that just to yeah, just to double double check. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think he will. I mean, I just think, like we, we talked about, I mean, he's a character in the film, for heaven's sake. I mean, the ring is a character in the film. It's going to have to, you know, it's going to have to get used. I mean, it'll probably get used before Smaug. You know, because we've seen a, him considering using it with the spiders. But I think, you know, the real key scene is with the dragon. And I mean, I just why, you know, why change the book that much? Yeah, I, I think he will. With the conversation was, I think he will use the ring with Smaug. And I think somehow, I don't know. I, I wonder if somehow that's going to make Sauron suspicious. Not sure how that connection is going to happen or. Uh, but but I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, I do have to go. And pick my son up at soccer. <laughs> so, 
our, you know, we've grid go to pot, and Laura and I are going to work on getting that grid together. And then also the other project that Laura and I need to work on is figuring out how to let people vote um, for everything because Facebook has taken away the poll thing. That's so right. um, you know this yet, Laura, but you and I are going to talk about that and see what we can do about that to make it oh. easier for folks. Okay. So. And then Myth Mood is coming up. Don't forget that in December. December we are going to be uh, uh, Yes, 14th and 15th of December in Baltimore. You, that is important. Know that. Block those dates out, and we will be getting you more information. Corey, I think, is actually going to do a net mood on it. Um, registration link will be up and all that good stuff. So, But just save those dates. We're going to see the you know, movie, too, and have a lot of fun that weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right. All right. It's been a load of fun as usual. You want to take us out? Sure. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed. Mm-hmm.